0: This is Points North, a podcast about the land, water, and inhabitants of the Great Lakes. I'm Dan Wanshura. In 2011, Anne Rayhoe and Natalie Warren climbed into their canoe and pushed off the banks of the Minnesota River, just outside Minneapolis. Their goal was to paddle to Hudson Bay, thousands of miles away, in Canada. It was a huge test of physical strength and friendship.
1: Lake Winnipeg itself was really like a breaking point for me because it just seemed to go on and on and on and we weren't
2: really getting along that well. And that was the thing that really just made us tip over and just start arguing and yelling at each other.
0: Today's episode is called Tipping Point, and it's from Human Nature, a podcast about real stories where humans and our habitat meet. Anne, Natalie, and producer Caroline Ballard pick up the story right after this.
1: Points North is brought to you in part by Cherry Republic, celebrating Northern Michigan's tart cherries with products like jams, barbecue sauces, chocolate-covered cherries, and more. Online at cherryrepublic.com. And Aspire North Realtors, bringing real estate professionals together, supporting their involvement in the community, and advocating for the industry in a sustainable way. Online at aspirenorthrealtors.com.
2: I'm Anne Rejo.
3: My name is Natalie Warren. Natalie and Anne met the summer after high school, when they were assigned to be paddling partners at a YMCA summer canoe camp and we were just
2: making awkward conversation the first couple days in the canoe, and I asked her where she was going to school that fall, and she said, St. Olaf College, and I said, me too. So we ended up in the same freshman dorm and destined to be the best of friends and scheming things for ever and ever.
1: Well, she's my best friend. I would, at this point, probably consider her like my sister. I'm an only child, so. My friends are really important to me, and Natalie specifically because we've spent all this time together canoeing and in college, and just like, you know, traveling
3: and hanging out. We are, yeah, really close. During the next four years at St. Olaf College in Minnesota, Natalie and Anne always found time to get outside, and they spent their summers paddling. Soon enough, they found themselves looking at graduation. Without jobs, and without a plan. Over Christmas break of their senior year, Anne picked up a book she'd read in high school, Canoeing with the Cree. It tells the story of two young men. In 1930, they paddled over 2,000 miles of rivers, rapids, and lakes from Minneapolis all the way north to the Hudson Bay. It reminded Anne of her own situation, two friends itching for adventure at the start of their adult lives. And it gave her an idea. I was rereading it and looking
1: online to see if anyone had recreated the journey, but no women had done it.
2: And when she came back to school, she came to my dorm room. I was writing a paper and she flung the door open and she kind of chucked the book over at me and said, hey, read this. I think we should do it. And then just walked away. And so I looked down and I saw this book at my feet and I saw the silhouette of a canoe and two people paddling and I picked it up and I read the book from cover to cover that night. I didn't write my paper and I went to Anne the next day and I said, yes, let's do this.
3: Over their final spring semester in college, Anne and Natalie got ready for their trip. And on June second, 2011, they pushed off from the banks of the Minnesota River outside Minneapolis, headed upstream. We didn't know,
1: actually, if we were going to be able to push away from the shore right away because the river had been in flood
2: stages that week. I remember pushing off in this inlet and looking forward at this raging current that we were about to hit, and I remember thinking, Dear God, I wonder if we'll even be able to paddle forward. I was nervous
1: because I hadn't really paddled upstream before that we weren't going to be able to do it at all and that we
2: just wasted everyone's time. I seriously considered, you know, if we get sideswept, should we just go to New Orleans instead because we can just hop on the Mississippi and go downstream. But we hit the current and we turned and we paddled as hard as we could. And eventually we were moving at a steady 1.5 miles an hour for about three weeks on the Minnesota River.
1: We made coffee in the morning. Um, We weren't very strict about what time we got up and we eat these granola bars so that we wouldn't really have to cook. And we'd pack everything up and get in the canoe. And every day we switched front to back. And so we'd do whatever we were supposed to be, sterning or bowing that day, and then paddle probably for like five or six hours until we stopped to have like a snack or lunch. And we usually stopped, we wouldn't keep going down the river unless we had like a tailwind or something, but especially on the Minnesota River, we'd have to pull to the side and kind of like tie ourselves to a tree so we wouldn't float back downstream. And then we always had singing hour in the afternoon, and so we'd spend some time singing. We only knew, like, 15 songs, and so we'd sing those songs pretty much every single day and then keep going until we got to a campsite around probably, like, 6 or 7. And Natalie typically cooked dinner, and I typically set up the tent and put away our
3: stuff. They paddled hard upstream for weeks, until they finally hit a downstream current on the Red River. It was difficult, physically and emotionally.
2: Being in a canoe all day with the same person is like fitting multiple days into one. When I think of my life in the city, sometimes I have good days, sometimes I have bad days, and I can kind of differentiate between the two. But on the river, you have a good half hour, you have a bad half hour, you uh, have negative thoughts, you have positive thoughts, you're singing, you're laughing, and things just change so much throughout the day because it's just you and your friend and your thoughts and your conversation or your lack of conversation. And one thing that someone says can kind of spiral you into a negative thought or a black hole mentally or something that Ann would say would make me want to sing or laugh. And it's just, I don't know how to describe it. It seems like it could be so boring because you're just sitting there paddling all day long, but it's extremely entertaining with how much you can talk about and how much you can think about that you never truly had time to when you were so Busy before,
1: especially this trip being so long, and it just really being us. um, Because in other trips we'd had, you know, other people with us in other canoes, we kind of had a lot of uh, quiet time because you run out of things to talk about, and so we just would kind of have just time where we were thinking and thinking about home or thinking about you know
3: what lies ahead. And what lay ahead was daunting. Lake Winnipeg. It's one of the biggest freshwater lakes on Earth. And among paddlers, it's infamous.
2: We were very nervous about paddling Lake Winnipeg. We even had people contact us beforehand saying that they had loved ones who had drowned on Lake Winnipeg. They tried to paddle it and they didn't make it because of a storm or big waves. And we were very nervous because it is a very wide, long lake but it's so shallow. So when the waves and the wind pick up, they can pick up very quickly. So we heard a lot of that and you always have to take it with a grain of salt because really people don't remember all the stories where people had a great time paddling and then they went home and everything was great.
1: I was pretty scared to paddle this big lake. Tensions were rising as we sort of approached Lake Winnipeg because I'd expressed to Natalie that I was worried of that we were gonna swamp our boat or flip it over on the big lake and that no one would be there to really help us um, get out of that situation. But she was less nervous. And so that's where tensions rose.
2: Overall, I think our biggest conflict was that I thought Anne was too cautious and nervous about decisions that we had to make together. And Anne thought, I think, that I was a little bit too careless or not concerned enough about our safety. And generally, this is a great combination because it allows us to check the other person and to balance the other person. But when it's not in check, it can really cause a rift where we were both on the extremes. Anne was becoming too fearful and I was becoming too careless, perhaps even as a result of Anne being fearful and vice versa.
1: The South Basin went pretty well. We actually ran into like a, a kayaker who was paddling across Canada. We met some people with some lake homes and We saw a bear, and so it was sort of like typical fun times on the South Basin. But then when we got to the North Basin, we were windbound for probably a week. Windbound is when you can't paddle because it's too windy. And so because of this like choppy waves, big choppy waves, that we couldn't push our boat out like past the breaking point. And so it's, it's too dangerous to paddle basically because of the wind. Lake Winnipeg itself was really like a breaking point for me because it just seemed to go on and on and on, and we weren't really
2: getting along that well. Sometimes we would paddle at night because the winds weren't as strong. And we push off from the shore.
1: And it was perfectly calm, but um, we had to cross a bay that was about like 10 miles wide and so about two miles deep and Natalie didn't want to really go into the bay Mm because she wanted to save time and just go straight across and so we're paddling and Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like really nervous because it's the middle of the night we're on the 11th largest lake in the world it's just us Mm -hmm. if we flipped over you know I felt like you know that would be really bad (laughs)
2: And I was sterning, so I was controlling which direction the canoe went in, and Anne did not like how far away from shore I was pointing the boat. So I asked Natalie,
1: who was steering, if she could go into shore, and she said yes, but didn't do it. And then I asked again and sort of got the same response, and again and again and again until it really escalated to me, like, yelling at her for not
2: being cautious enough with our Voyage. And that was the thing that really just made us tip over and just start arguing and yelling at each other about all of these other things that were on our minds that we had kept quiet for a month of the trip already. So Ann and I both say our bits. We just have nothing else to talk about, there's no conclusion. We're so angry with each other and then the northern lights start to shine. So this green orb starts to pulse and glow and expand. And it was my first time seeing the northern lights. And I remember thinking, oh, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I really wish that I could tell Anne, this is absolutely amazing, but I'm not talking to her right now. And so I just kept it to myself. The stars were out, the lake was completely flat. The lake was so flat, the sky on that night was so clear the milky way was out and everything was reflecting onto the surface of the lake so it looked like we were paddling through, through space because you could just see the stars on the bottom
1: of the lake and in the sky We finally did make it to shore in total silence, like three hours later. I asked Natalie to turn on her light, and we were like right next to shore, and we didn't even know it, and there was a giant bull moose just staring down at us with these huge green eyes. And Anne says, we're too
2: close to shore. After that, we pulled over, we set up camp, the winds picked up, And then we
1: just camped there and didn't talk for a few days. This was like our worst windbound spot because a lot of the times we were on like beaches. And so it's kind of nice, right? Because you're just kind of hanging out on a beach. But at this particular windbound location, we were on like a pile of sticks. So we're just sort of waiting on this like pile of sticks that's on top of a swamp for the wind to die down. And she wrote this letter while we were kind of we were probably only
2: sitting like five feet apart. I've always found that I can communicate how I'm feeling much better by written word than I can verbally. I often come off as I don't care enough verbally, but when I write things down, I can truly express how I'm feeling. And so I wrote Anne this long letter about how we're, we're not friends on a trip. We are sisters, and of course we're going to fight, but fighting does not mean that our friendship is ending or that our relationship is doomed it's just a normal part of you know this unique relationship that we have with each other she felt like nothing that
1: like no matter how mad we got at each other that there would always be this like unconditional love now that we'd like been through so many I guess adventures and challenges together
2: and read that and we talked it out and after that we I don't recall us fighting at all for the rest of the trip we just got on better and better every day
3: after finishing Lake Winnipeg at the beginning of August Anne and Natalie went on to paddle through Cree Nation lands in Canada three weeks later on August 25th 2011 they finished their journey the first women to ever make the trip. And on the shores of Hudson Bay, they were even greeted by a polar bear. But at the end, they were both struggling with what it all meant. I think that I was expecting it to be
1: like this coming-of-age moment, like we'd accomplished such a big thing, like we really made it. It was just really beautiful, but I would say that not... Not as, like, uh, emotional as I thought. More The more emotional
2: part for me was finishing Lake Winnipeg. It was strange because you th- I was just thinking, why? Why did we do this? And I know it's it's beautiful and it's fun and we learned a lot, but
3: what can we make out of all of those things? Then it was time to come home. Natalie and Anne started the long journey back by train and car. They ended up at Anne's parents' cabin in Grand Marais, Minnesota, to recuperate. And we were hanging out at the beach, and Anne said,
2: I'm going to go over there. And I said, cool, I'm going to go over there. And we walked in opposite directions, and it was this this big moment of, of freedom, of rediscovering our individuality. We could make our own decisions And we were our own people again, which you sort of have to forget about when you're operating as one.
1: Immediately after the trip, we sort of needed a break from each other. Like, you know, you spend 85 days within 10 feet of the same person. You may need like a little break. And both had some like emotional processing to do about like what, how important the trip was to us or like what we were thinking while we were out there.
3: In the years after their trip, Anne went on to get a PhD in ecology. Natalie dipped her toes in nonprofit work, environmental policy, and writing. She's now pursuing a PhD too. I really enjoy connecting the
2: dots as I get older, and really I, I look back on my career and I can trace almost everything I've done back to this trip, but I just couldn't, I didn't have the foresight really at the time. I I think it was something that I felt was going to happen, but you can't see into the future. In retrospect, what the trip really showed me
1: is that I'm capable of anything, especially, you know, with a good friend with me. Definitely changed the way that I think about interacting with other people too. A lot of those times when we're fighting or I was feeling like annoyed or something. With Natalie I was actually feeling like bad or like angry with myself for feeling that way. I felt like I should have been able to rise above those emotions. Having all that time that summer to I guess realize what was going on inside my
3: head was really influential to who I am now. Anne and Natalie live in different places now, but are still best friends, and they still talk about their trip.
2: We probably talk once a week and now. Anne teases me sometimes because I talk about it a lot. She's like, you still talking about that trip? <laughs> I'm like, yep. Uh, <laughs> so it really is, you know, it's such an important part of, of my story, and it's such an important part of Anne's story and our story together that... Um, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't really separate myself from it. And I think that that's okay.
0: That episode was produced by Caroline Ballard for Human Nature, a podcast about real stories where humans and our habitat meet from Wyoming Public Media. Editing for this story by Aaron Jones, Megan Fury, Ivy Engel, and Charles Fournier. The digital producer was Anna Rader. Micah Schweitzer was the executive producer. And Tressa Versteg gets a nod for pre-production. This music is from Blue Dot Sessions. I just want to say, if you're not already following human nature, you definitely should be. Host Megan Fury is in the middle of a brand new season right now and she's telling some really amazing stories. This is a podcast I always make a point to listen to, and I think you're really gonna enjoy it as well. You can find Human Nature wherever you listen to podcasts. One more note on this episode, Natalie Warren wrote a book about her canoe trip with Anne Reho called Hudson Bay Bound. In it, she tells even more stories about navigating rapids, the people they met, and the stray dog they picked up along the way. I'll link to the book at our website, pointsnorthpodcast.org. And while you're there, please consider giving to the show. We are a listener-supported podcast, and we depend on the generosity of people just like you. Between now and the end of the month, when you give a gift at pointsnorthpodcast.org, an extra $60 is going to be thrown in on top of whatever you give. Take the plunge. Do it right now at pointsnorthpodcast.org. Just click the donate button. All right, that's it for this week. I'm Dan Wanshura. Points North is a production of Interlaken Public Radio.